Well, hello and uh, welcome to the CSF November monthly podcast. And this month, two papers have been uploaded to the CSF website, and I'm going to review both of these papers for you today. It's been quite an interesting time in the field, particularly of Jack Kiney's inhibition. And the first paper we're going to discuss is the efficacy of baricitinib in combination with methotrexate and concomitant CSDMARDs. And the, the principal author here is Professor Ronald van Bollenhoven from the Amsterdam Rheumatology and Immunology Centre. Well, the background here is probably well known to most of you. Methotrexate is, of course, our anchor drug. It's prescribed to most patients with rheumatoid uh, and concomitant CSDMARs and or corticosteroids may be added, particularly sulfasalazine and hydroxychloroquine. Now, this was a study that examined the efficacy and safety of baricitinib in two arms, one arm with or without corticosteroids and one arm with methotrexate only, methotrexate plus CSDMARs or CSDMARs alone. The baseline characteristics, adverse reactions, as you would expect, were all evaluated according to normal parameters. So the data were pooled from two phase three studies. Uh, remember RA-BEAM, methotrexate, inadequate respondent patients, randomized to placebo, baricitinib four milligrams or adalimumab 40 milligrams, or from RA-BUILD, which was CSD-MARD, inadequate respondent patients, randomized to placebo, or two doses of baricitinib, two or four milligrams. The endpoints analyzed in these studies, uh, primaries were proportion of patients with an ACR20 response and proportion of patients with LDA as measured by CDI less than or equal to 10 at week 12. And a whole variety of other endpoints were uh, reported, including the ACR5070 response rates, uh, percentage of patients with an SI less than or equal to 11, uh, less than or equal to 13.3, CDI less than or equal to 2.8, DAS28 uh, measures, HACDI, ULR responses of good uh, or good and moderate response, and, and also changes from baseline to week 12 for HACDI, DAS28, high sensitivity CRP, CDI, FSDI. So a whole range of secondary outcomes giving us a sense of what happened to these populations. But recall, it's a, it's a pooled analysis. And the key uh, results that you need to take home from this, well, I, I think quite importantly for us, the corticosteroid treatment group showed no significant interactions with uh, baricitinib four milligrams or placebo. Uh, the, in terms of efficacy, the odds ratio favored the baricitinib groups over placebo for ACR20 and the CDI less than or equal to 10 outcome. Adverse events rates were similar regardless of methotrexate and or CSDMARDs used for both placebo and baricitinib. Uh, the SAEs were numerically higher for the placebo patients on corticosteroid compared to the other groups and discontinuation rates were higher for corticosteroid users in the baricitinib group. So what do we conclude here? Well, baricitinib showed efficacy regardless of comitant conventional synthetic DMARs or corticosteroids. There were no real safety concerns. I think we're all very familiar with the vigilance required in patients taking corticosteroids. And when we think about how we're likely to use baricitinib in treatment, this just gives us a, a new depth of information. I think it's very important to recall that the, uh, the these kinds of revised post-hoc analysis should be taken just as that. They give us further information to inform our practice rather than defining the, the, the true primary placebo versus active drug, which are the, the, the registration phase three trials. Now, the second study I want to bring to your attention this month is the uh, analysis from Jeff Curtis and his colleagues 
uh, looking at the herpes zoster risk for patients who are receiving tofacitinib. Uh, tofacitinib is a medicine that works very well in rheumatoid arthritis. It's a, an inhibitor of particularly JAK1 and JAK3. Uh, we've known for some time that the rate of uh, uh, herpes zoster is two to threefold greater uh, in uh, the recipients of tofacitinib as compared with other biologics and targeted therapies. The, this particular study evaluated the zoster risk in first initiation tofacitinib users and importantly was looking at users taking a concomitant glucocorticoids, methotrexate, glucocorticoids and methotrexate or none, none of uh, the above. This was market scan and Medicare data. They were used to identify 8,030 RA patients initiating TOFA for the first time. And the risk of herpes zoster in TOFA users with and without concomitant methotrexate and glucocorticoids were, uh, was calculated using Cox regression. The, the key study outcome here was the diagnosis of herpes zoster by a physician with antiviral drug use within seven days. So that's a pretty specific definition and means that we may be missing cases when you think about it. So uh, 8,030 RA patients contributed 5,811 person years to the analysis. Uh, there were few clinically meaningful differences in the demographics between the groups, a total of 222 cases of herpes zoster being observed. Uh, the rate of zoster new TOFA users in the absence of glucocorticoid use was 3 to 4 per 100 person years. And this is roughly double the rate of herpes zoster in patients exposed to TNF inhibitors. After multivariate adjustment uh, using TOFA monotherapy as the reference, exposure to glucocorticoids approximately doubled the hazard risk, but there was no really clear increased risk associated with concomitant methotrexate use. So what do we conclude from this? Well, in, in people taking tofacitinib, exposure to glucocorticoids roughly doubled the instance rate for herpes zoster, so vigilance is required. Uh, methotrexate exposure confers no obvious additional risk according to this study. Uh, younger age, male, sex and vaccination with a live virus zoster vaccine were all associated with a lower risk for herpes zoster. And this uh, may suggest a, a role for newer vaccination strategies in at-risk patients. And of course, we do have new zoster vaccines coming online or already with you in clinical practice, which will further develop the possibilities. Well, that's all I've got to say. Please don't forget that all the content discussed in this podcast is available in a detailed slide format. And you have to go to the publications section of our website, cytokinesignaling.com. And please subscribe to our podcast channel. Let us know what you think. Uh, review the podcast and send us your ideas and suggestions as to what we could do that would better serve your needs. Thanks ever so much for your attention. I, I do hope this is helpful to you in your clinical practice and good luck in treating our patients. Thanks very much indeed.